G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. In the late 18th century, William Wilberforce was converted. Almost single-handedly, he broke the shackles of slavery. People there were just totally different. We are looking at the footprint of God over the last 2,000 years. Since the Roman legion destroyed Jerusalem in the year 70 AD, the Jewish people have a nation of their own. And he said, well, no, Randy, we're not all just faking it. There is a living hope, and his name is Jesus. And I believe that that's really why you're here. Christ died for us. History Makers. Thanks for joining us on History Makers. Today we're speaking to Indiana Joe. That's Joe Hubbard from creationresearch.net. Many would have heard of uh, John Mackay, the creation guy. He's a good friend of ours at the radio. And uh, we've had him on many times before. He's brought out young Joe uh, to uh, do a bit of a tour around Australia, and I thought I'd grab him and, and have a chat with him. Uh, welcome to the studio, Joe. How I'm are you, mate? I'm doing very well. It's good to be here. Very good to be here. Now, tell us a bit of your story, mate. Where were you born and yes, raised? Yes, uh, I, uh, I come from the UK, as you said. I come from a part of the UK called Norfolk, which is on the east side of, the, of England. If you sort of follow it down, there's a bit of a lump that sticks out into the middle of the sea. So that's Norfolk. That's where I come from. It's literally on the way to nowhere. It's about... Uh, as close to the wild as you can get in the UK, because you you know you only go there if you're really wanting to go there. You don't pass through it or anything. <laughs> so I'm a little bit out of the way, but I do I do like it there. Do you enjoy it? Yep. Well, you know, I spent six months in Nottingham when I was younger. Oh yeah, yeah. And uh, used to follow the Nottingham United yes, football team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, all the uh, the people at school, all the kids at school, said to me, "What's it like living on an island?" <laughs> and, and they said to me, uh, "Do you ride a kangaroo to school?" <laughs> Have you got a pet wombat? And uh, and then they asked me, um, are there lots of convicts there? <laughs> and I said, yes, there are. <laughs> so I love That's the UK. That's great. That's great. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. Uh, I actually um, went to a, a beautiful little Anglican church there with a preacher mm-hmm. named J. John. Have you heard mm-hmm. of J. John? From I UK? do yeah. know J. John. So yes, I, I got I to meet him. The name. Yeah. yeah. Brilliant. Brilliant. And uh, so I'm a big fan of uh, of UK and uh, and a lot of the great churches over there. I'd love to know a bit of your testimony. So yeah. were you raised in a religious household? I was raised in a Christian household. Yeah. It was an interesting uh, lead up to being raised in a Christian household. Basically, my dad was uh, an atheist, a very strong atheist, before he became a Christian. Um, and uh, him and mum got married, and uh, she was sort of, in the nicest way possible, sort of nagging him for a long time to, to, to become a Christian, but he just wasn't interested in it. Mm-hmm. And uh, he, he literally went, his, his conversion story is, is absolutely amazing. He literally went from ardent atheist to preaching God's word within a matter of seconds, basically. And he's told me this story many times, so I know he won't mind me telling it on radio um he uh, was at work and talking about uh, his sort of his you know work colleagues and whatever were talking about god talking about jesus called him over to um sort of say oh what what, what do you think and uh he opened his mouth getting ready to you know mock god like he normally would but actually ended up uh saying yes i do believe in jesus and here's the reason why and all the arguments that sort of mum had been telling him over the years suddenly became sort of spilling out and 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 he gave reason for the faith so it literally gone from atheist to christian within a few seconds and he said it was you could really feel god or you know jesus really asking him look this is your decision this is the time is it yes or is it no and he obviously chose chose yes but the great thing about that is that on the way home 
his uh, main question that was going through his mind was what do i do about the dinosaurs what do i do about the millions of years what do i do about this whole creation evolution thing because god had given him enough sense to know that the two don't go together the bible and evolution they don't go together so what do you do about the dinosaurs now unfortunately when he went to the church where mum was going to and uh, asked one of the uh, one of the elders there sort of very you know guy very high esteem there what do you think about the dinosaurs his uh, response was well you know the dinosaurs they've got big sharp teeth they've got big horns on their head i think that satan created the dinosaurs <laughs> which is an interesting engine <laughs> it's actually fairly popular in the uk amongst the sort of the you might have heard of like the gap theory the oh, idea yeah. that there's a big okay. gap in between genesis 1 verse 1 and genesis 1 verse 2 uh very popular amongst the sort of the old brethren churches in the uk and um that was the answer that he got given so of course for the first few years of my life i was banned from dinosaurs and i do remember coming home with like party bags you know from from parties birthday parties or whatever and having little plastic dinosaurs in it and then being sort of taken away oh no you can't play with them they're you know satan's creation kind of thing oh, wow. but you know both my parents were very young in the faith they didn't know better they'd been told by people who really you know should have known the answers that satan had created the dinosaurs so i was banned for the first few years of my life um and it wasn't until some a very good friend of theirs gave uh mum and dad the you know the old creation magazine the one that john used to edit um that they actually started getting some proper answers you know mm. and ever since then you know they they were really pleased to be getting some answers i was given my first ever book on dinosaurs by an old creationist called um Dwayne gish which are uh, very sort of uh, popular, sort of one of the first sort of creation scientists to really come on the scene. And he wrote a book designed for children about dinosaurs, so that was amazing. I always say I was banned for dinosaurs for the first few years of my life, and I've been taking revenge ever since because I'm now into the whole, you know, dinosaurs and geology and all that kind of stuff. Um, so, yeah, that sort of was... I was sort of born into a Christian family, sort of got proper answers about creation and dinosaurs and all that within the first couple of years and uh, was brought up with that uh, ever since. And my parents were very um, determined to sort of instill this whole kind of being able to find the answer, being able to know the truth about God's word from the very beginning. And they really wanted specifically for me to be able to find the answers about creation and evolution. And they really wanted me to be able to find fossils. So it leads to a very interesting uh, time when I found my first ever fossil. It was at a beach near where I live. Uh, called Cromer. It's quite a famous sort of seaside town in the UK. And uh, there's lots of fossils down there, particularly a type of fossil called Bellumnites, which is like a little squid little thing, a uh, little sort of bullet-shaped fossil that you find on the beach there. And I was taken to the beach and I was told by mum, this lady who is leading the field trip is going to tell you a lot of lies. Now, I want you to ignore everything the lady says and just learn how to find fossils. So that was my first ever experience with fossils. I did find my first ever fossil on that day, and uh, I've been collecting fossils ever since. So I've got a lot of experience with that. But it was interesting because at the time, there was no creation field trips. There was you know, nowhere where you could go and actually find the truth about the fossils in a hands-on experience, which is why I've then ended up, when I get involved with creation research, I've one of the things which I really love to do is take people out on the field and actually show them the evidence for themselves because I never had it and it's one of the things that I could have really done with. And so it's sort of become my passion to be able to, to, be able to do that. You've shared about your early life yep. as a uh, being raised in a, in a church mm -hmm. and, and with mm -hmm. your Christian parents. What about your teenage years? Did you 
you know, do the prodigal son thing? Did you fall away and come back, or were you always just, you know, following the truth of God? Yeah, I was. Uh, as, as, <laughs> I, I would. I'd like to say, yeah. As far as um, I, I followed the truth of God, I didn't uh, really go through a prodigal son stage. Mm-hmm. God was, you know. You know, gracious enough to be able to keep me with him, and yeah. um, I come from a very large family. There's, mm-hmm. uh, there's uh, nine of us in total. Whoa! So there's a, there's a very large family. It's uh, seven children, and um, I'm the oldest. So yep. okay. it's a very very close family as well. We uh, we spent a lot of you know we went through quite a few hard times as well. So mm-hmm. it kind of brought us together really close as well. And uh, really from very uh, very young, our family has been involved in creation ministry, even mm-hmm. just in terms of organising events and stuff. Yep, wonderful. Um, Paul Taylor is a good long um, friend of John's, I know, that uh, he came and spoke uh, at our church a few times that we kind of organised. We yep. organised a few creation events as well. So we've been involved in it from a very young age. I felt a very early calling into ministry. But you've got to remember, I, you know, sitting here and being able to talk on radio like this is, is a, you know, this is completely God because... Very early on, I was very, very shy. Really? Hated public interaction. You know, I was the kind, you know, younger teenage years, hiding behind mum, that kind of thing. Right? Right, I really okay. wasn't a person for up-the-front confrontational stuff. So yeah. the fact that I'm able to sit here and speak like this really is a work from God. A little know, bit like Moses in front of the burning bush. Absolutely. God absolutely. sent someone else to do yeah, it. What, who, who am I to do this? You know, why have you called me to do this? Good so it is, it is really very... I think powerful evidence of that God really yeah. does work in people that I'm here and able to do this. And if it, isn't that often the case? Oh, that, absolutely. That yeah, the yeah, shy yeah. ones, the ones that yeah. people wouldn't expect God would use, yeah. he raises you up and gives you a platform. And uh, what a great testimony. So let, let's talk a bit more about your teenage years. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you're obviously passionate about creation oh, yes. and ministry as a, yes. as a teenager. What did you do after school? Did you go straight to university or did you... Yeah, so I was uh, actually home educated okay. all my life. Yeah, all my siblings have been as well, and um, that explains a few things. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> yeah. so that's why you, because... you're so intelligent. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> uh, I might get in trouble for saying that, but I will agree with you in this case. Yes, um, yes, I, w- I was home educated all my life, mm-hmm. and I will say that because I was home educated, it did allow me to excel in things like science and maths, yeah. um, and uh, sort of keep up with the rest of the stuff. And what that meant is I finished uh, what we call British A levels, so that's sort of end of high school um, by the time that I was 16, which is two years too soon. That's pretty cool. At the age of 16, I then went straight into university. God was uh, literally just opened the door for me. I was able to walk straight in. It was literally one uh, one month I was sort of ringing up a few different universities trying to find out if there was a chance of me getting in at 16, which is quite unusual for universities to let people in. And uh, within a few months, I was enrolled on a course which was fantastic. I uh, went straight into university, started off part-time because I was so young, uh, and then moved up to increasingly more and more to full-time. So I'd just love to ask, you know, um, the criticism of homeschooling yep. is that they don't have good social skills, they're always yep. just in a bubble, you know. What was it like for you yep. at 16 going to a, a big university mm-hmm. with all the, you know, people a lot older than you? Was it uh, was there some social struggles you had through or did you, did you just fit in? Well, I will say two things. My parents always used to have this question asked of them, you know, yeah. what about the social thing? Yeah. And my dad's response would always be, yeah, it really is a bit of a problem and sometimes we do have to cut down on the socialisation to actually do some homework <laughs> <laughs> because you do, you do find, yeah, you do, you do find that there is a, especially in Norfolk where I come from, yeah. being
being quite a rural area, yeah. there is a lot of home educators. There's a very large home education community, mm-hmm. and increasingly so. You know, when when Mum started with me, there was hardly anybody. She knew a handful of people. Yeah. Whereas now, it's it's very very popular, especially in Norfolk. So it's become a, a much bigger thing. But the one thing I will say, with in terms of socialisation, is I believe it's actually given me uh, home education has given me a much better socialising skill set. Mm. The reason why is if you think about the uh, school, you know, the modern education system, you go into school at a particular age with kids your age, you stay with those kids essentially the same age as you with your peers all the way up through high school, you exit high school and you're then launched into a world where you have to go and do work with many different people with many different ages. Whereas me being brought up, uh, you know, home education I had to deal with people half my age and even younger and interact with them and people much, much older. Yeah. I started uh, working quite young. I started working at 16 as a part-time zookeeper and that meant that I had to engage with a lot of uh, different ages, aged people. You know, we do a lot of public interaction stuff, a lot of talks, all that kind of uh, pre- presentations and all that. So um, I had to engage with a lot of a lot of people with a lot of different backgrounds, a lot of different ages. And I really do think that home education being exposed to so many different yeah. you know, levels has really, really helped me there. Mm, mm. Um, university uh, was was relatively easy because I was sort of distance learning all my life, you know, home education, doing it from the home. My university course, which I did, was a part uh, combined of two different uh, things where the majority of it was actually done, it was able to be done from home. Okay, yep. So a lot of the work was done. I did still have to go in and do a lot of, la- you know, do some lab work and do some uh, lectures and mm-hmm. tutors and stuff like that. And I did find that relatively easy to engage as yeah, well. Good. But the uh, majority of the stuff I was able to do from home, mm. which is brilliant because it means it's you know, a lot more flexible. I can fit it around doing my zookeeping work to help pay for university and also get a lot more involved in ministry as well. Well, it looks like you're a poster child for home educating because, <laughs> um, you know, in Australia, there's been a massive increase in yeah. homeschooling yeah, yeah, recently, yeah, yeah. Yeah. particularly because yeah. of programs like Safe Schools a, yeah, and all of these. Story around yep, the world. There's yeah. so much uh, stuff that is taught to children these days and a lot of Christians are very unhappy with it. So they're mm-hmm. taking the kids out of secular schools. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Christian schooling is booming and also homeschooling is booming yep. um, because you know we need to be careful what is put into our kids. Oh yeah, yeah, we, yeah, yeah. We, we, you know, as parents, it's our responsibility to guard them from, from the lies and the Absolutely, rubbish that can, can yeah. be taught to them. So you're a poster boy. How do you feel about yeah, that? I, uh, <laughs> I, I actually, I'm really, I'm really grateful for God for giving me the opportunity to do that. Yeah, because right. I think the most for Christians, the most important education that you can give them is a Christian education. Yeah, right. That's where our focus should really be. It's a Christian education. Now, I don't think there is. I think, I think it's very difficult to do that in a secular public school because you're basically you're going into a, an environment where you then have to take your children out and you've basically got to undo all the strings that that school has attached and mm. reattach them to God's word. Right? Mm. Um, it's possible, but it's very, very difficult. And if you're going to spend that amount of time doing it, you might as well homeschool them. You know, if you want to really do it properly, there are, as you say, Christian schools. Christian schools are not that popular in the UK. The most Chris- Christian schools that you get are like uh, the Anglican schools, which are really public schools with a Christian name. That's yeah. really what they are. Yeah. There are a few very good Christian schools, but they're few and far between in the UK. So the real thing is home education at the moment, and it is really the way that you can get a Christian education into your children.
Well, let's just jump forward a bit. So university, yep. and then how did you get involved in creation research? Well, uh, I was sort of just started uh, university. I was 16 years old, and I'd been following, uh, you know, like I say, been involved in, in, in sort of general, you know, creation, the research and all that kind of stuff for a very long time. Been slowly getting involved in it. I sort of started doing a few little talks here and there for, for kids in Sunday school and uh, getting involved with our, our church and stuff. At the same time, I'd been collecting fossils a lot um, and increasingly more and more research sort of independently on my own. I've been beginning to put these fossils on display and all that kind of stuff. And I've been following creation research and John Mackay for quite a while. And I'd uh, seen him in person speak. I hadn't at that my point gone and actually introduced myself and spoken to him but I'd seen him speak uh, in, uh, in in Suffolk and it was in 2014 when I first ever properly met John and it was at uh, we'd been in sort of email correspondence a little bit before that with uh, John Young who is our uh, a UK rep uh, at the time for, mm-hmm. for creation research and uh, it was at uh, a big sort of conference we, they called it the mega conference uh, which was run primarily by answers in genesis in the uk but john was visiting there and that was the first time that i really met him and uh, sort of shook his hand and basically said is there any way that i can get involved in this can i you know i really feel a calling into this kind of ministry is there anything that i can do to get involved in this and because he was in the uk he was sort of planning on visiting our kind of area in norfolk so he said well we'll give you some time to do some events so we organized a debate um, we organized a home school and conference a couple of spe- uh, speaking engagements and a field trip as well mm-hmm. and john kind of threw me in at the deep end he said right we're going to get you to do one of the sessions of speaking at the homeschooling conference <laughs> bearing in mind what i said earlier you know about coming out of you know very shy sort of background yeah. so this was like wow okay here we go you know sort of thing um but i did it and i mean i was young i got a few sort of very minor things wrong and looking back on it yeah i wasn't perhaps as experienced as i am now but um it obviously impressed john somewhat because he said this is great <laughs> We'll get you sort of working more and more with us. That is brilliant. And I'll just confirm here for those who have uh, maybe just joined in. This is Joe Hubbard from Creation Research, traveling around Australia with John Mackay, the creation guy. You can find more details about their tour on creationresearch.net. And Joe is 20 years old. I repeat, 20 (laughs) years old. And he talks like this. Uh, He's incredible. Uh, Mate, we do have to go, but one last question. Yeah. The most important one. Yeah. For those who are listening that have never given their lives to Christ. Yes. And don't know what the gospel is. Yes. Give, give us a quick snapshot. The, the most important message in the world. What is the good news the of the gospel? The gospel in a nutshell. Well, the gospel really starts in the beginning. Many people don't realize that, but it really does because the real good news is that we're not here by accident. We are created in God's image. And then you get the bad news. Man rebelled. Man uh, fell apart away from God. The world was cursed because of it, and man was separated from God. Man now lives in sin. Sin is very simply anything that we do against God, anything that we do that goes against God's commandments and against God's will. If you want to find out what God's commandments are, there's four books, five books of them in the beginning, full of rules, full of the law, no way that we can possibly follow them. We are living in sin. The Bible says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Bible also says uh, in Romans that the wages of sin is death. So we've got a real problem here. Everybody now sins, everybody lives in sins, and the wages of sin is death and eternal separation from Christ. Okay, We're not afraid to say that. That's what is written in the Bible. But the good news is, the the gospel means good news, the real good news is is that God didn't leave us in this position. Mm. He did come down and he died on the cross. And that is really important because the Bible says wages of sin is death. By dying himself, Jesus, that's God himself, 
took our place on the cross. He died for us in our place. That means that we now can go free away from sin. We have been redeemed, as the Bible calls it. The only condition is that we put our trust and our faith in God. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved, as the Bible says. That is the ultimate good news. The fact that we're not here by accident. Yes, we're fallen apart. Yes, we are living in sin, but it's Jesus Christ who can save us. That is good news. And if anyone would like to be in contact with Joe, uh, and uh, maybe maybe you've just heard that gospel message about the good news of Jesus, and you want to respond, maybe you'd like to contact Joe or John Mackay and have a talk to them. The, we- the website is creationresearch.net. Well, it is wonderful to be able to hear your story today. If people want to find out more, the website is creationresearch.net. It is creationresearch.net. And also, the other thing uh, which people can look up to follow me on is uh, one of our Aussie supporters sort of dubbed me Indiana Joe, <laughs> which is great. I do love the name. Yeah. I've sort of adopted that, so I do like that. So I do have a personal blog, which is www.indianajoe.blog, and you'll have updates on there of where I am, where I'm going. I sort of started it for this Australia trip. I'll continue it afterwards as well. And we've got a video um, clip to go up in the next couple of days as well. Wonderful. Thank you so much for your time, mate. I reckon you're a history maker. God bless. Ah, thank you very much. Good to be here. Thanks for joining us on History Makers. If you'd like to listen to this interview again, just go to historymakers.tv. There you'll find links to Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. You can subscribe to our iTunes podcast or check out our YouTube clips. And you can find out about History Makers TV. We are a faith-based ministry and we appreciate every donation. You know, the vision of History Makers is to share the good news of Jesus Christ to the nations of the world. If you'd like to partner with us, send us an email, info at historymakersradio.com. God bless you. Have an awesome day. I'm Matt Prater, and why don't you go and make history? History Makers. History Makers is proudly sponsored by Bible League, who serve the local church and other partners around the world by providing Bibles, scripture materials, and training to help people meet Jesus. They provide God's word to a lost and needy world. Bible League plants Bibles in prisons, among persecuted Christians and in poor nations, bringing the love and light of Christ into many people's lives around the world. Make history today by joining our friends at Bible League and planting a Bible that will help someone meet Jesus. Go to bl.org.au. Station sponsor. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.